Okay, welcome to Stories Without Boundaries, a podcast by Profile Your World, and I'm the cat. Now, we're not in our usual location at the sunny coast in, North, in Queensland, where we know we're in, the, in Kings Beach there. We've travelled all the way to Alice Springs, Central Australia, actually with my son Henry, who's here today doing some producing for us, the podcast, just to um, be part of the Pajama Festival 2022, a festival in light. So we're located actually here today in a little room in the hub at Pajama Festival um, Central location, and we're just sitting against the McDonald Ranges in a place called Desert Park. So it's the most beautiful location I've ever seen in the last few years, and um, yeah, it's great to be out here, it really is. Firstly, I wish to pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging of the Ananda people, the traditional owners of Padua, the land we share here today. So thank you very much for that. Pajama is a 10-day celebration that shares incredible artworks, light installations, storytelling, music, performance, workshops, and film. Plus, there's so much more to do out this way. I've got to tell you, we've been here for five days now, and we've been here at the festival doing so many things um, and experiencing so many um, terrific stories, conversations, um, the night light, the music, the bands, um, and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the, the sharing with families and whatnot. So it's a fantastic place to come out to, I must say. Um, today, I'm also um, really, really, really delighted um, and a bit humbled to um, have as a guest the curator of Pajama, Rhoda Roberts. Now, Rhoda, don't talk to me yet. I'm going to introduce you first. I'm going to blow your trumpet first here because there's a lot about you and I feel like I've done a certificate three in Rhoda Roberts in the last five weeks. I tell you, I've searched through internet and YouTube videos and podcasts and, and your, um, your life and I don't know how you packed it in but I'm going to find a bit about that very soon. Before we blow head to Rhoda, let me blow your trumpet first and say something that Rhoda is a lot of things. Rhoda is a Budgelong woman, an actor, producer, artistic director, a sought-after speaker, and is also, like I said before, the curator of Pajama. And as a leader of the Australian and First Nations communities, Rhoda was awarded the Order of Australia in 2016 for distinguished service to performing arts through a range of leadership and, and, and roles in the development, promotion and presentation of contemporary Indigenous culture. Now, I read that out, by the way, but it's very important because it's quite detailed and it probably sums up um, a bit about Rhoda Roberts. But um, there's a long, long journey um, for yourself, Rhoda. So firstly, welcome and thank you so much for being, taking the time today with, with us, a little, little podcast on Sunny Coast. And also, congrats on your life journey and the work you've done to bring this Pajama together. Um, like I said, been here five days and um, blown away by the effort um, and, and, and the peacefulness and, and, and the spirituality of this, of this, this place. Um, how's the body day five, Rhoda? How's it going? Well, it's pretty amazing. And thank you so much for having us on Stories Without Boundaries. Of course, we are sitting in the dressing room. Um, so it is a busy place. So I appreciate to have this opportunity to one, talk about Prachima, but I guess you asked how the body is at day five. It's really interesting being out here in Mabuantua, Alice Springs, as you mentioned, right beside the McDonald Ranges um, on Aranta lands. And it's a very different rhythm. So in a lot of festivals, you tend to get pretty worn out. But because of the different rhythm of people here, it, it is, it's very busy, but there's a sort of quietness and calmness in our everyday work here at Parachama. Hmm. I can see that. You feel it when you walk in. It's like it's... Um it's highly organised, but it's highly peaceful, you know. You know, it's so orchestrated because it's natural flow. The actual flow is very seamless. That's noticeable. I don't describe that naturally, but when you say it, it reinforces it in my well, hand. I, I think that seamlessness is the fact that AGB events are world leaders in what they do. And, you know, they work all around the globe. And as the creative producers of this event, it's just so wonderful to work with such an extraordinary team where we actually have the opportunity of not only training up local mob, but also, also other Indigenous peoples across the country. But also it's, um, you know, we're working with someone like Richard Neville, who's one of the great lighting designers. And 
just being where's added. Where's it? Where's he? Where were they based? He has a company called Mandy Lights. They're based in Sydney right. and Melbourne, and you know, the, again, they work London, Paris, everywhere. They've just finished up in Dubai, but um, I think having that excellence and showcasing Central and Western Desert art, which began an extraordinary movement in the seventies, but we always want to reassure people that this art, while we're, it's on canvases and now it's a new technology and, and digital expressions with lights, it actually comes from original ceremony and sand designs on earth, on country. And for me, the most exciting thing about Parchamari is that we're showing excellence, world standard, mm of our great masters across the Central and Western Desert regions with their very specific style. A lot of Western people have often referred to it as dot paintings, mm. but in fact it's the markings of country and it's originally in the Inmars they used to put the wildflowers down. And so when they were given a canvas, the men at Papanya, and to paint, they painted what they did with the wildflowers in Inmar stories. And so it was just another transmission and and another ad adaptation of what we've always done with story and country. Mm. As a creator of the, fest of the festival, what, what's your role? What do you do? Like you've been creator for many years, haven't you? A number of years, haven't you? When did you first start this role? I've, this is my sixth year. Um, the festival was going before I arrived. Um, but I think my role was ensuring that the three estates of Mabuantua were represented and we worked very closely with our custodians, the traditional owners. Um, you know, when you're out here on country, there are certain stories that can be told. There are other stories that have secret business that you can't. So really being aware of the cultural observance is very important and working with our cultural guides as part of our team um, which we term the reference group, uh, but also it's selecting artworks and then actually thinking every year we want the installations to be different yes. and new. So, and of course I come up with some brilliant ideas, I think, but of course then there's the budget. <laughs> but, um, and, but as I say, it's a great team and we find solutions. But yes, it's also as part of curating is... I really search out the new emerging talents that have gone through transmission, intergenerational transmission. So you'll find a lot of the artists literally come from family dynasties where their grandmothers or grandfathers are incredibly famous, world-renowned artists. And here's the next generation painting the same story but with different techniques as such. So you go out to that community and you, you obviously have those lined up now but you go out and you seek people to, to submit works or, or concepts or ideas or stories in? We, we do it a couple of ways. We have an expression of interest that goes out. We work very closely with Desart, which is the peak body that looks after oh, more than 42 art centres across the central and western uh, region. Yep. And then, of course, I also look at those sorts of artists that are doing different work in those communities. Yep. So I'm very blessed. Yes. And I think the greatest thing about Prachima, and it does take quite a few years to get a festival like this up where it sort of cements what it's really about and audiences start to understand what what it's more than just lights. Yeah. Um, yes, yes. So much more. Yes. And it has to be, of course, because we're dealing with knowledge that is so ancient, but we're also dealing with looking at new ways that we can show this expression that's very relevant in the 21st century. So it can be challenging, mm. but I do love the artist's faces when I say, well, what we want to look at this, and they go, huh? Because a lot of people think it's just canvases with lights on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you... <clears throat> when you come out here, when I think about this, I think about awareness first. You know, I think what's what's my purpose of being here? What 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 am I taking away? What am I giving here? And to me, it's awareness and learning and expanding your knowledge. You know, quietly and slowly because it takes time. Like you say, you've got to get your head around things and read and just and just rest and reflect on. Like we go home and reflect on the previous day. What what happened then? You know, <laughs> what was it about? And just go, it doesn't matter, just live the journey. And so you think the awareness is a really big thing, isn't it? Looking at what you're seeing. Um, do you have a favourite part of 
the the ten days? Do you you know? Do you look at a certain part and go, "I love the conversations. I like the light shows." There are a few favourites. I mean, they're all favourites. Yep. Um, I love the Rangers show, being able to tell a different story and a seasonally based story each year. Uh, again, it's really thinking outside the box. You have to walk through. You go through the portal and then you're in and it lights up the McDonnell Rangers. Um, this year, for example, we used to have it last year where you sat in bleachers and it literally was like, you know, a theatrical show, going yes. to a show. So a show within the festival. But I also was noticing that people love it, but I want people to really feel that connection um, when you're standing on land. Mm. It, it's quite different when you it's all around you and, and we don't think like that often. We're so busy with our lives. So this year we created this incredible um, portal, which in fact the wonderful guys from the Sunshine Coast made with all their bamboo... And I used to work with them at Woodford Festival. So, yeah. And, um, (coughs) excuse me. So, we projected the work of the late Jeannie Egan, who was from Yundamu. And there was reasonings behind why we choose some artists. And, of course, uh, many of us have heard of the situations that have occurred in Yundamu for the last two years and a lot of grief. And it's really important that there's uplifting and hope for our people, you know. And this is one of the great masters of rain-dreaming stories. And often I don't think the world really knows the knowledge that's in her paintings is extraordinary. You can see the science, you can see where she's painting about the environmental challenges that will face us with water. Mm. And water, of course, comes from sky. And um, so you step through her glorious artwork um, through the portal almost. And then you're in amongst the lights, but you're also in amongst a story that is really about the clouds. So Aboriginal people... um, you know those old boss men and women, they really read country. So they'll look at the clouds, they'll work out what type of clouds they are and they can predict what's going to happen mm. for the next 10 days, so to speak. But So when there's a certain cloud and it rises, the yiricha or eagle comes and it's time for the eagle to uh, hear the winds, which often you'll hear old people... Oh, all of us actually talk about the grandmother winds and we hear those voices on the winds. And so the bird is able to rise above the clouds. The rain comes, Mm. it glides. And, of course, rain brings regeneration and then we um, see the nesting of the bird. And Mm. that's a very important story and that's a very basic. But it was really about what we're facing as well, in this country, indeed globally, is making us aware that we need to look at the environment and what's happening and yes. all those sorts of things. So that knowledge is in all the stories. Yep. So I do love that. But I think the other exciting thing for me really with Parachuma is engaging with our artists, giving them an opportunity to showcase um, and really listening to them because a lot of the senior artists are what we would refer to as bush professors they know everything and of course we're learning every day but when you sit in like a sand demonstration where the ladies are doing what they do on the canvas but they're showing you how they teach the kids and the stories in the sand yes there's a real gentleness and it's for some people it might seem quite slow but it's just getting you into that pace to take it all in the smells, the song, the dance, the story, and then the hands. It's incredible, because you know, when you look at desert. Mm. our life, if you just, you know, I was in, I was in Sunny Coast on the beach, and the, the water and the sand every day is important to me. The walk the dog, the peace, the quiet, the now the meditation comes morning, night, the things that take you back to slow you down, you know, because it's remarkable what happens to your headspace when it happens. But this, when you describe it in the Indigenous community, in the First Nation community, what happens, that's natural. That's what occurs, you know, and it occurs through generations from educational right through to, you know, elders, I suppose. <clears throat> um, yeah, interesting you say that. And, and for me, it really teaches me to listen because there's more than the words. You know, a lot of our languages have signing and stuff like that, so it's observing as well. Yeah, yeah. it's incredible. It really is. Um, 
I listened to an interview you did when you were reflect, you're reflecting on your, I think it was nine years of the head of, as head of First Nations programming at the Sydney Opera House. And you, you made a statement, it may be gone now, but you described the Australian as a nation of, um, you said, buoyed by systemic amnesia. And I sort of read in that by saying that I thought, is it apathy? Is it um, not the waking that should have happened by now in some areas? Is there a political climate that just doesn't drive the right journey? I don't want to take down a political path tonight, of course not, but that, that struck to me in that, in that comment you made. I thought, it's probably accurate in some form. Look, the country um, does have a cultural amnesia. It has a historical amnesia and we only have to hear the Prime Minister suggest that there was never any slavery in this country. Um, there were many policies that were very systemically, um, what's the word, it affected us for generations. Um, and that again is where coming to somewhere like Parchama, we can show some of the, the truth telling is in the paintings, it's in the stories, it's in our conversations. Mm. And sometimes we, uh, you know, in the past, my grandmother used to refer to it as the era of silence. It was so deafening, she didn't, she couldn't tolerate it. And it was like, we must speak the truth to come to terms. But also, um, and look, there's a lot of work being done on that. And we know that our institutions and our government and various other systems are looking at their behaviour towards Aboriginal people and profiling. But on the other hand, when you hear the old people talk, and they've been through so much, you know, they lived under the Protection Act and various yeah. other things... There were places across the country where they knew if they continued the ceremony or the story, it would either get lost or you know, they'd be jailed for speaking language, for example. And so they often would talk about it's sleeping or it's being safeguarded mm. and there will come a time. And, of course, in the 21st century we're into seven generations of invasion in this country mm. since invasion, seven generations. Mm. And there are those old stories of the seventh generation. We will then remember the forefathers, but we will change our thinking and our uh, collaborative... Yeah. Um, ..whatever the word is. Yeah. You know, we will change our thinking. And I, and I look at those seven generations and I go... That's what they were talking about, when the time is right. I do believe now in this 21st century, more and more Australians have a reawakening almost. They've started to realise that we do have the oldest living adapting culture in the world. Wow. That is amazing. It is amazing. It's older than the pyramids. Like, this is incredible. Um, we should be so proud of it instead of being ashamed or thinking yep, our natives should. are drunks and whatever people think. So the reawakening, I believe, is now occurring. Mm. We're seeing languages revitalised. Uh, you know, I was very fortunate at the Opera House that I was able to look at programming where I could put on, you know, the great cabaret show, but I also could use some of the budget to look at areas where we need to sustain the knowledge. Yeah. And, you know, every country in the world has the classics, you know, we go to Italy, we see David, you know, we go and hear the great operas in Covent Garden or wherever, right, or the Barbican or... And we never hear of our classics in Australia and yet we have the oldest instruments, the oldest songs, the first, really, of everything. Yeah. And so... And everything is dictated by land and sky... And so I had the opportunity of creating a, a, a project called Dance Rights, which was really about making sure that the intergenerational transmission occurred of those classics, our song lines and our dance practices. Yeah. And they'd be passed to the next generation because we were finding in some communities there are only a handful of speakers left or, um, you know, there are only a few who knew the song line. And that's been a wonderful thing to see how... Australian audiences love it because they're on the same journey getting to know that songline for those community members that are learning as well, those mm. younger ones. So, yes, I think we are... Um, moving. 
Moving forward, yeah. What you call awakening? Yeah, I do. In spaces, yeah. Um, in terms of, um, I don't want to drag that go back so far here, but in terms of yourself, Rody, you did coin the term "Welcome to Country," and mm-hmm. that was pre-Olympic Games 2000. I understand. Yeah, it's back in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah, eighties. No, sorry, where you really stepped in and said, "Hey." We'll take control of this and, and, and make sure the work of a country is what it's meant to be and what it references and what it represents. That's correct? Well, we used to always do it, like when we were doing conferences or going on to someone's country, of course. And then we were running a theatre company. I said, hey, we should make sure that everyone knows about Welcome to Country, not just us. And so we started a program where we were working in Sydney at the time. So we went to the 21 clan groups and they suggested from their communities who would represent them, male and female, and we started up a program and uh, I coined it Welcome to Country, which was fantastic and it really made people aware of the different language groups, the diversity and so forth. But then it became tokenistic. Like, I cannot believe people will say, uh, and we pay our respects to, you know, the past, present and future. Really? You, you, you recognise that respect, then you're on stolen land and you can't even say it. So <laughs> I now um, do projects where if we're doing great big events, like, you know, the Invictus Games, for yes. example, I've started to call it calling country. I heard that on your podcast, and, and yes. And trying to bring back those old practices, getting busy here at Parchima, a yes. few artists arriving, but when we um, go back... We didn't stand there with a mic and say, welcome to country. We sang. And you would call on the song line as you were approaching the boundary and that knowledge of that information and a language group would be in that song line. And then they would respond and invite you in. And then the ceremony, whether it was a smoking or a sweat ceremony or a a sweeping ceremony, whatever that was relevant to that community... That was attended. And, of course, logically, they were making sure that you smelt like them. Yep. You're because welcome, as you you're crossed, accepted, yeah. and you can, you can well, be part of this, 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 our community. Yeah, and logically, time. if you come in smelling very different, the animals in that particular land are going to run away because you're danger. So you need to smell like everyone else on country. Yeah. Remarkable, isn't it? It's remarkable. Mm. Um, let's ask you... Like I said at the start, you've had a very packed life. I mean, I've listened to what I would personally consider, I mean this, um, one of the most inspiring, uplifting, moving podcasts hosted by Norella Jacobs and yourself on Mamma Mia um, podcast. Um, I'm not sure what it's, yeah, No Filter uh, podcast. And... I listened to that on the way here and I thought to myself, why am I interviewing Ryder Roberts? I just need to share that podcast with the world and communicate how it moved me because it told a whole journey, not just life, but there was parts, I was in the plane and just broke into tears because it, it was that moving. So did Norella. Norella? Norella Jacobs, um, yeah. And, and, and it was natural, open, honest and clear. And there was nothing about it that was, that was you know, Genderized. It was completely truth, um, and I, I gotta tell you that that of all things I've heard in terms of your journey and that discussion between you, the two of you, uh, that was very incredible. I thought to myself, "What am I doing this for? I can just share this podcast and say this is this. If this doesn't explain, move, talk about things, give examples of, you know, and you can't move to a position from that, then you're not." got anything here i wish you'd been here the other night because we actually had an in conversation with norelda jacobs oh we were here for that i was there with that oh were you we sat through yeah. that so it was a bit of a reverse it was about yeah. her it was terrific it wasn't henry he was <laughs> yeah we really enjoyed that um and for me it was like that follow-up i thought gee that this is special for all different reasons in that discussion the other night you talked about going to a, you had a good day you said we went to a special place and we sat around, we told stories with our mob and we, we ate, I had fire and we, we ate um, a kangaroo tail and we had some tucker. Um, what's that like? I mean, I, I was thinking about that 
And my mob is Irish, English, Catholic, North Queensland. I'm going to say racist, but yeah, we were, I think I emailed you some time ago saying I don't, I've got a lot of guilt about how we lived our lives in this space. My church, my place was a, was a, was a building. Yes, I'm spiritual and I gain a lot from that. You know, I'm always left feeling whole and feel, filled. But when I look at yourself and hear about, you know, we've been to, you know, um, at a few times, and I, I find a very, I find a very st- lot of strength. I strengthen my spirituality. I get stronger when I leave. I don't want to leave, right? And you went this place. And I thought, how do I get this place? How do I sit in that church? How do I sit and feel the energy that that that's created in that space? Is that what you go for? Is that do you go there to to? Is it a spiritual thing? Look, it's um, it it, it's many things actually. Um, it's when you gain trust. They will invite you onto country to do something very, very special to make you feel, you know, it's payback. It's like you have yeah. given and, you, and we trust you, so we will bring you out to this space. It's breaking bread. It's really important to right. sit down and break bread with people. It's the yeah. most um, yeah. generous thing. Um, it's a gift. It's yeah. a gift and, it's, and, and that's one of the big things. Uh, about Aboriginal people is we're very particular on the gifting. You always gift no matter where you are because you're always receiving something. Yeah. And the, re- the the person sharing always has this attitude that you lose nothing when you share. You only gain. And so those very principles and indeed what I learnt from my father and my great-grandfather actually wrote the three-point plan for the Bundjalung. I'm a widgeable, wireable woman from northern New South Wales, southeast Queensland, the part of the Bundjalung territories, and he could see what was happening. And, you know, I've got a, a wonderful recordings. My dad was very aware that things were changing, and so he made sure that all the corroboree songs, our song lines, everything was recorded. And we pride ourselves that we've never lost our language. We've only lost it when someone's passed away. And for being in northern New South Wales, a lot of people don't even know that history and it makes you so proud. But grandfather wrote down um, the Bunjalung three-point plan for us to be guided and live by that we make sure we follow, follow our knowledge system behaviours, which are really, really tough, um, but also that the three-point plan. So you must never, I'll try and remember it, but do not forget your colour and race. And race is the key word there. Um, don't forget and hold up your identity and language proudly and learn to work with the newcomers... Because he knew they weren't going to leave, but find a place where we can sit side by side, and I think we're still getting to that. But you know, my dad was, um, as you would have heard in that uh, session the other day with Narelda, uh, my dad. I didn't know this. Um, Heather Goodall, who's a, a historian with City University, wrote a book, and she highlighted to me the work my dad did in Northern New South Wales with his father and grandfather and so forth come from a very political family um, and they had set up churches so they could continue the language. They had set up churches so they could discuss strategy for land rights. So while they were religious, the church was also a front because Aboriginal people under the Protection Act couldn't, more than six couldn't meet. It was considered as a you know, an uprising. Yes. An uprising did he do. So in the 1963, my father was able to get the lands at Fingal, which is an Aboriginal mission at Tweed Heads, handed back to our people. In 1984, our custodial lands at Nimbin Rocks were handed back. This is long before Mabo. So, and I guess that's what it means when you sit and you break bread and you hear that knowledge system it's more than just you know there's a practice that's been outlined you have a legacy and you have to abide by those obligations but you know i've had been so fortunate that i go out a lot on country and and get the opportunity to eat lots of different foods nothing's as good as bunjalung of course we eat porcupine Mm -mm, it's (laughs) fabulous but 
um, one of the last times I went out was actually at Uluru um, with a, 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 the late Bobby Randall, who was a singer and a healer. And, and we sat down and ate um, tail. And it was really beautiful and, and very silent and the sky was so huge. But you just sit there sucking on these bones for hours and it is so pleasurable. <laughs> really? And listen, just listening to the stories and the hope and the emotions. You cry, yeah. you laugh. It's just incredible. Like, it's incredible because I'm always thinking about the lives we live we find ourselves in and the generation that goes that passed pass on and you look at life and still live I don't I moved I made a choice to move out of life for different reasons to pass a life and move into a to find that space and that peace you require to um, make better choices I suppose but um, we're here to tell stories and share stories with each other and sit around but it's not the way it is so so often in I'll say cities, but I'll just say in community, in, um, in the world, is it? No. Really? I, I think the challenging thing is trying to highlight why we are who we are. Um, you know, I'm very proud of my Irish-Scottish heritage as much as I'm proud of my Widjibal Bundjalung heritage. But I was never allowed as a child to be anything but... I used to sit in the bath with lemons and want to try and get rid of my colour. Wow. And I never went out in the sun because I, I, I still don't because I would go very dark. Right. I do it because I never have time these days. But as a kid, I was very conscious of that. But I was always told, you know where you come from, get back. You, you know, how dare you think you can. Yeah. And so that's okay because it just makes that challenge a little bit. Uh, more interesting, and and my dad used to always say, every day you're in the here and the now. Mm. They think of you as ethnographic, but you're in the here and the now, and everything you do in the here and now is affected by your knowledge system. Wow. Yeah. So he was a very smart man, yeah. Um, how do you write a kickback, relax... Where do you go to just relax, dance, celebrate, wins? You know, you, you finish here and where do you go? Do you just do you head out and relax or go home or just, do you just keep powering on to the next, next, sort of, next thing or do you find? Yeah, well, I'm very fortunate to, to, to live at home. So I live at a place called Jackie Bourbon Flats. We have 100 acres. So right. we just, I just go back to the bush. Why not? Um, <laughs> and we're totally off the grid on all that. Yeah. Um, and my partner, Stephen, bless him, I always call him my art sponsor because he's at home manning the forts and the kids and I'm off, yes. um, you know, doing the things I love. But also I do it because, you know, whether it's Donnie Willow Goodyear and the Kimberleys or, you know, um, Jakapura and Yaren or uh, in Arnhem Land, just all the communities I've been they need to have these opportunities. The same mm. at home. We need to have expression and we need to have visibility. And we're starting to get that on our television screens. Yeah. But there's nothing like meeting um, up close and personal. Mm. So I guess that's what drives me. So to relax, oh, my God, I keep saying I just – I would love not to work. And everyone goes, you'll be bored. I go, are you kidding me? I would never be bored because I'm a weaver. So I'd love to yes, sit and right. just have a studio and paint and weave and not have to worry about deadlines. But I have that responsibility. I was going to say the responsibility. That mm. is – that is, it is. That's it, isn't it? That's it with you, isn't it? The if responsibility I've, to, to – Yeah, I do feel a responsibility. I've been a very fortunate person. Mm. I've – had an opportunity for education. I've been guided by some of the most incredible men and women mm. in this country. And I've been embraced internationally. You know, in Canada, I work in Canada as well, and the anti-roller, they call me, and yes. I just love it. Um, so I'm, I'm very, I'm one of the fortunate ones, but with that comes great responsibility. Yep. And I assured my father when he would repeatedly tell us nothing's about the money it 
it's about the change and it's about you being in service to your people. That is why you are here. And so it's a service and I just need to ensure that there's succession training so the next great bright young things have the opportunity to work where I've worked. There's so much to, when you talk about what your role is in community, not your, but ours, the service service of people, you look at, you know, COVID that came through and people, oh, you know, they were, I say to my friends and my my people that I live with and not family, my family's disparate across Australia, they're my community of friends and people. I always said, hey, our duty is to look after ourselves, community, and we do small things amongst ourselves and reinforce that well and go back to having dinner parties, talking, meeting together down the park on Monday afternoons with, with, the, with the grandkids and stuff. That's what life's about. Just do that and repeat it and create that new culture that, we, that was always the way when I grew up. In Townsville, we didn't, we just, it was a family, we did our thing. Every weekend it was, the community came together, it was barbecue, sat around, we talked. And we heard, we listened to elders and parents talk about stories, about life, and that's how I learned. Good or bad, I don't know, <laughs> probably bad, no, wasn't all that healthy, but hey, that was what I knew. And now it isn't what we knew. So when you talk about responsibility or, or, or um, yeah, I think it's, it's yeah, I, I, I hear, I hear. I listen to it and it's the messaging to me is really clear as it, me as a person it's very clear well i come from one of the greatest communities in this country bundjalung unceded territories where we have many many people uh, a very diverse community a very alternative community we have such an eclectic community and yet when we faced a disaster it was that community who came together led by our community. If it hadn't been for the Koori Mail and our Aboriginal men and women who went and got boats and went and rescued people and provided them with food and water and and um, bedding long before council even woke up, um, it was pretty amazing. And so those little things always help. You know, they were rescuing some people who don't have a good... Uh, assumption of who we are and when a little old white man gets rescued by two burly black men he looks at them and goes oh my god you saved my life and they said yeah sure unc of course of course and he muttered i don't know if i would have done the same now that will change the lives of many he's changed his opinion now Mm. because of our generosity yeah because as aboriginal people Not only are we responsible for our community, but a lot of people don't realise how deep it goes. You know, at Uluru, for example, when people used to die on that rock, that community would go into mourning. They felt personally responsible for every death. Um, And and that is the way it is right across the country. And people don't understand how, because you have a responsibility for someone being in your home. Yes. Yeah, it's powerful, isn't it? It's really powerful. It's powerful. I'm not going to keep you here forever. And You're the right. Podcast, I don't we, care. we got life. <laughs> moving on, but um, hey, what's beyond Pajama and, and the next part of your life? If you can, you tell me if you look forward. Can you share that with me, like because yeah. like your, your life has been seriously um, packed with, with an incredible journey. And before you describe it to me, um, once again, Nadella in the interview, she talked about you being such a huge influence in the Australian community. In this area, she did describe that, and, and that was part of the discussion with you. Um, I know you're probably humbled not to. You're not going to say that's me. Uh, Blackfellas don't big note. I said, What's that? I said Blackfellas don't, don't big, big note. note. <laughs> well, I'm here to do that for you, and so is Nutella. But um, yeah, please just go on, please. Beyond, beyond, um, beyond Parchma. In the next few years, what, what, what's happening? What's the awakening look like? What, where's it? Yeah messaging coming from well as a freelancer you tend to take every gig you can get because you don't know when the drought's coming um i'm working on a project uh in association with mesmerized productions and the queensland music uh federate uh, music festivals um because a lot of communities have seen what we've done at parachama yeah. and they've seen how hosting an event like this on your own country brings so much there's so many outcomes. They're very layered, but there's hope and empowerment and self-determination, all that. 
And so many communities have contacted me going, oh, can you come and light this up? And I'm going, well, have you got a few million? Um, <laughs> so I'm working with the community up there and a great team um, and we're looking at, in, in association with the Music Festival, we'll do a little light show on some of the amazing artwork that's in um, Gimoy, Cairns, from the Yindinji people. I am just really excited that I've been appointed by Voyagers, who run the resort at Yalara, next to Uluru, um, to come on and work for them with one of their the Gallery of Central Australia as an ambassador and doing looking at some creative ideas out there. So that's awesome. incredibly that's exciting. And it's interesting because I work with those communities, gosh, you know, 20, 30 years ago. So it's so lovely to go back. To return. And actually people remember me. That's yeah. the other thing that's just wonderful. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm doing a number of different things, but I also have my day jobs. So I work at NIDA, our National Institute for Dramatic Arts. What do you do there, Rara? Um, Well, I'm their First Nations consultant. Wow. So a lot of institutions are looking at the way they structure not only curriculum but how engaging they are and the inclusivity, inclusivity and diversity of other communities and, you know, looking at ways that we can make a great experience for all students. So I'm there. I work at SBS Television. Um, and I also work at NORPA, the Northern Rivers Performing Arts. Um, unfortunately, our building went under, but we're still going to continue with some of our events. So that's wow. the next big thing. I go into a creative development to work with a series of writers that are all Bundjalung um, for the um, Byron Bay Writers Festival. So I have uh, Daniel Browning, who runs ABC Away, Stephen Oliver, who's a comedian, What's this then, slut? People might remember him from right. the black comedy. I can't believe they got away with that, but they do. <laughs> um, and uh, Kylie Cordwell, who's an incredible artist and weaver, and an emerging artist called Ella Bancroft. Her mum's a very famous visual artist, Bronwyn Bancroft. So they're doing writings about country, which will be really interesting, and yeah. we're putting that up at the Writers' Festival. So that's my next uh, thing. Multi-layered, it's all happening, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, you're yeah. driven. You're, you're driven. And a couple of films. <clears throat> and a couple of what? Uh, uh, I'm working films? films. Films. I'm working on a couple of oh, films, yeah. but I've just finished filming a Netflix series, which was nice because that got me back into acting. Yeah. So that'll come out soon. Wow. So, yeah. It's wow. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> freelancing. You just yeah, take yeah, you, what you. You take and you move. Yeah. Um, and I'm not in it for the money. Clearly. <laughs> No money in arts. No. Well, now, I just want to, one thing I want to talk about is um, I was reflecting about reflecting on looking in to events and welcome to country and the awareness and what people really do, what they action. I'm looking, so look at my community, for example, and how they look at Pajima. So I'm going to Pajima. Where are you going? I start explaining it and they can see him dropping off. No interested. So I really, you, you, can I explain? Oh, forget about it. I'll go and photograph and I'll tell a story. It's my job to tell a story as a white person to tell a story and get motivated by it and say, hey, wake up, you know. Um, but I was thinking about <clears throat> the other day about, <clears throat> when I'm on the phone last night about, we had a long chat, I know, but now about this whole, you know, um, First Nation and everything. And I was saying, it's amazing, you know, we have East, we've always Easter weekend where, there's a death and celebration, then there's a rising, then there's holidays, and there's partying, and there's eggs. But we have Australia Day, the day what you described, which is the day of mourning. It's an invasion, right? And it's a terrible thing. And do I know all about it? No, I know enough about it to mention it. But there's a whole lot of hope and things that come from that, around that, almost sort of like around Easter. But we have this massive weekend of Easter where if you ask people what they understand that it means, I know because I'm raised Catholic, but do I practice it? Not at all. Not at all. I'm Christian and I, I'm spiritual and I'm a soul, universal souls person, energy person. That's it. Um, but yeah, it's interesting we look at, you know, so I'd like you to quickly comment about, about that, about the day of mourning, the, the 26th of, of January, and how has that moved forward? 
How, how does it, as a country, resolve that, that problem simply? Do you have it? It's, is it like Easter? You say, okay, it's a, it's a terrible, it's a day, it's, a, it's an event. It wasn't a day, it was a period. But how do we then hope and celebrate as a nation? Is it a combination or is it a separate issue? I think um, <clears throat> it, it's clearly a day that there are many opinions. Um, and again, if we go back to the way the knowledge system existed, we would remember and be reminded that on that particular day or the night before, stories would have been told about the big baraga that was coming back one day. And on this boat, it would carry our ancestors, those who couldn't quite meet the, the rivers in the sky. So the Milky Way is our songline to the heavens. And just like we hear about people in purgatory, there are some ancestors that might not have crossed over, so they would return on this big boat. And they'd be ochred because when people pass in some communities, we ochre the body. And so, of course, when the big boat did come in and it had white people on board, they rushed to greet their ancestors. And re what was returned was a musket. And so the fear began on both sides yeah. and the ignorance. And so I'm reminded of that on January the 26th, that we lost people tragically. It was the beginning of the frontier war and things would never be the same. Yeah. But we still lived in hope that one day that ship would go. And then after a while they realised no one was going, mm. they were staying and, of course, would you rather be like, beside the rat-infested, sewage-run Thames or beside our pristine waters. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can see the choice there. Um, so I'm reminded of that in a way that total innocence is a crime, but it was all for land. And then I'm reminded that Australians think of land and they think of the property and the mortgage they own. Aboriginal people think of land and they think of the stewardship and how it owns us and determines our lives um, and how we survive and so forth. So if only we could find the philosophy for Australia that we combine, yeah. you know. Um, but for me, January the 26th is that day and I guess I don't know if I'd equate it to Easter, I'd equate it more because we all have our own... Um, Nathangalis, right. Biamis, they're okay. all given different names, but we have our own creators. Um, and there are similarities in some of the moral... Every story has a moral and a, a social code to, okay. to live by. But for me, it's more Anzac Day. It is our Anzac Day. It is our yeah. day of mourning. And we want to listen to music and dance on that day as well. I just don't want people to forget what happened. Yeah, okay. We need to come to terms with the truth of this country. You stole it and then you came with your gun in one hand and your Bible in the other. You kidnapped our children and then you told us, do not, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. Honour thy neighbour. Mm. Like seriously, yeah. Yeah. every... Ten Commandment was broken. Yeah. But that's okay. Okay. We can move forward if we listen to each other. So for me, that day is that's a day okay. that it. should have the opportunity, um, you know, like Anzac Day. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. But I want a visibility on that day. Yeah. I never want us not to not have that day as well. Yeah. I want us walking in the streets so everyone sees us. Thank you. Because we're in the here and now. Anyway, yeah. Shut up. Yeah. I, I suppose um, in that podcast with Elder Jacobs, um, you said in a statement there also, which, which really, really um, got home with me, you said, um, I don't seek for Aborigines to be better citizens. I seek for Aborigines to be better Aborigines. So I don't seek for Aborigines to be better citizens, but better, better, better people, better, better Aborigines. That was my dad actually 50 years ago he when at the 10 Embassy. Right. And he got up with Gough Whitlam. It's a pretty amazing thing actually to see all the photographs 
and when my dad was introduced to the audience um, by Mr Briscoe, he um, said, well, the next Aboriginal I'm going to introduce you to is possibly the most loved Aboriginal in New South Wales. And then he said, oh, maybe the country. And that's Goff when... said... No, um, one of our leaders... Oh, yes, sorry. ...who was emceeing. Yes, yes. And so Dad got up... Yes. ...and um, in his speech, towards the end, he said, I do not ask us to be better Australian citizens. I ask each and every one of you as black people... To be, uh, I want you to be a, a better Aboriginal. Better I want you to be Aboriginal and a better Aboriginal. Yeah. And what he was, you know, informing really was making sure we never forget the knowledge systems that we should live by. Yeah. And I get that bit, but I also I always look at that and how it applies or how it applies to living. And to me, it was like a to me as a person, it was like a calling saying. You know, it's not how you live in the community and what you buy and don't buy and how you live. It's about how you are as a person, how you live, about here, what it, what it is, what you represent. Yeah, and That's it's about that. being – it's about how you live, of course, and how you treat people. Hmm. But it's also about you must continue the stewardship. When, the, when that okay. goes – we're starting to see right around the country some major disasters in our environment and mismanagement of that environment. And had we continued the annual stewardship of those areas, okay, whether yeah. they're yeah. waterfalls or mm. streams or whatever they are, we wouldn't be facing a lot of the uh, destructive land um, management yeah. that we're undertaking now and we're trying to find solutions the solution is there. It's stewardship, and yeah. it's going back to those old maintenance practices. And we did the um, the Mern tour, the, the walk through the ranges and the food bush tucker walk oh, yes. through. Then the the elders and trying and sampling foods and whatnot, and all the grass and the herbs and whatnot, and the medicinal bases bases. And um, yeah, we're reminded in that in, in that process of land management and how and you would go about that in terms of negotiation around. Animals have their seasonality. There's animals um, bearing young. There's all these things happen. You've got to negotiate, work out what you do and don't burn off and how you manage land. It's complex. It's negotiation. There's different different lands, different people's lands. And you go, it's so logical. <laughs> it's so logical, but it takes effort in that community. Then there's this other community that says, we govern. And how do you, you know, connect that together and take the time with it? And yeah. I think that's one of the beauties of when you look at Uncle Bruce Pascoe's work. Um, most of the writing is actually from diaries of white men. But then there's also, you know, we hear the stories now where he alerted people to the product of kangaroo grass and the harvesting that used to occur. So when, you know, settlers were starving, they could see blackfellas making bread and they didn't know where they got the barley from, from. but of course it was kangaroo grass. Oh, yeah. And today there are farms being set up um, across New South Wales and other districts that are farming kangaroo grass because it's come the, become the latest trend um, for sourdough and other breads by chefs yeah, to wow. use the most local product. And I just go, wow. Imagine if he hadn't brought that attention... No one would have even no. thought of it. Bruce Pascoe, the book that you were talking about. So Dark Emu. So Henry read that book before he came here. Dark Emu by Bruce Pascoe. Audience guys out there, just so you know, Bruce Pascoe, go and get it. Dark Emu. So I was here at the bookshop searching for it myself and I bought the the children's version of it. There's a, what's it called, a dark something else? You know, I bought it anyway. I thought that's more me. I'll read that one. But yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, that's... That's where that's at. I tell um, you, you should get his next book, Loving Country. Loving Country? And it's actually on Audible. It is amazing to listen to it as you drive because he talks about the very spirit of how everything's interconnected. So you hear the ghost gum when you're driving. Like, it's amazing, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Um, right, it's been amazing to meet you. Like I said, I feel like... <laughs> I searched you and I thought, this person's interesting. I did this massive research on looking at your life and you. And and um, and then, obviously, you know, you come, like I said, when I first started the, the podcast, you come to a place with purpose. It's all normally your own journey 
probably it's your own journey, it's personal and it's not need to be shared really. But um, certainly for me, um, the takeaways are enormous and meeting you, hearing from you, um, yeah, it's, it, it's very cup filling if you don't mind me saying. And um, if I go back to the start when I was reading out the Wallach Country, I read that out because I'm not used to doing that. Um, did I mean it from my heart? Yes. Did I feel like I meant it? No, I didn't because it was words on a doc, a paper and I had to understand what the people were of the land was and I, didn't, and I wasn't good at that. You know, it's not something I, I know. But you but did I've do it. But I've got a bit there. But I've, so you know, um, I, I did mean that and, and, I, and, I, and I respectfully sit here in this space and I'm, I'm great, I have gratitude for that. Well, you did do it a land acknowledgement. You just didn't realise you were doing it because you immediately spoke about uh, the sense of calm and the McDonnell Ranges. So you're actually describing country and that's what acknowledgement is all about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's finding what is special in that place. Yeah. Mm. Um, I really, like I said, I really, I really, to our people out there listening to the podcast and you'll be listening because I'll be telling you to listen. I'm going to be at you anyway. I really encourage you once again to just log in, check out the podcast with um, Narelda Jacobs and um, Ryder Roberts in, 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 in Mamma Mia and No Filter. It's a fantastic podcast. You can get us on Profile Your World Instagram and say hello there and say, what was that podcast again, Damien? It was the one I told you about. So get on that straight away and you won't, you'll get on the right journey. Um, we encourage you as the audience to be storytellers, to tell your, tell your stories, get around your, your fireplace, dinner table, um, water hole on the ocean shore, sit down with someone, tell a story, share something about your life and, um, and, and, and be in that space. That's what we're about. So, Rod Roberts, thank you so much. I really mean that. Um, one thing I'm going to do with you before we go is um, I just wanted to say to you a, a small prayer and that is... Um, I wrote this down too because well, it's what I feel, but I, I want to call on the universe of souls and spirits to bless your journey et- inter- eternally. Um, and thank you for awakening the truth um, and being present to so many people because I know the burden of being present and being responsible is difficult. I, I come here as a little silly podcast to try and tell a story, you know, and get it out there. Um, it's difficult. It's complex. But I believe in it. So... I really appreciate what you've done and, and I, I, I call on what I call universal souls to keep you well and allow your journey to, to, to flourish and, and be at peace. Thank so thank you. And that's the podcast wrap today. Like I said, check us out on Profile World Instagram page and you can call me there, email me there or you can also send a message there and I'll show you where to go. The books, Bruce Pascoe, the, the um, podcast, Mum and Beer, the Narelle Jacobs stories, the conversation, Rhoda Roberts, if you search Rhoda throughout YouTube, um, stories you'll know all about and you'll understand and start getting messages and becoming part of what we are here. Beautiful Alice Springs, Desert Park, McDonald Ranges. Beautiful, thank you. So as we would say if we were speaking the Arantha language of uh, Mubuantua or Alice Springs, we would now say Kala. Finish. <laughs>